Hello, and welcome to the Ecom Ops Podcast. We believe that there is more than enough content focused on e-commerce marketing and not enough content celebrating the real heroes of e-commerce, those running the operation. Each week, we find and interview an e-commerce operations expert to share the secrets behind how some of this industry's most exciting businesses are run. And now, your host, Norbert Strapler, the CEO of Sync Spider. Hello and welcome to the Ecom Ops Podcast. My name is Norbert and today I'm talking to Megan and AJ. Welcome. Thanks for having us. We're happy to be here. Very excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to have you here. Uh, a lot of valuable input for today is planned, I think. So <laughs> today we're talking about data, a lot of data. Mm-hmm. So tell me a bit about yourself. What are you doing? Ladies first. Yeah. So AJ and I are co-founders of Praxis Metrics. And basically, you know, we started from the agency background. So we used to work with a lot of e-commerce brands as well as information product marketers. And what we found was in our marketing efforts, um, you know, you could guess all day long about what works, what doesn't work. You can try a million different things. But if you don't have the data that shows you where you've been, what's working, what's not working, then really you're just throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. It's very uneducated and really not a scientific method to the madness. And so what we found as an agency is that we really needed to have data given to us in more real time, like not waiting on people to go and log into 12 different systems and extract it into an Excel spreadsheet and then, you know, do this manual reporting every couple of days. It was just too time consuming. And we wasted a lot of money on on humans doing data work that was really something that could be automated. So we ended up uh, looking to data to solve our own internal needs because we couldn't scale without understanding this, um, you know, the, the data in all of our efforts. And so we ended up implementing our own data solutions just to have automaticity and to really be able to answer the important questions. And once we, once we had that internally, all of our clients said, wow, geez, like I've never seen my marketing data this organized and in real time. And now it's super clear what I need to go and do. And the next logical question is, Can I also get this for my operations, my inventory, my finance, my, you know, my cogs, everything, every other aspect of business, not just the marketing. And so AJ, who's a serial entrepreneur, he's had an e-commerce business before and several other businesses. He was like, of course, yes, we can do that. And so then we created this data agency where we're basically an outsourced data team helping small to mid-sized companies that want to scale, but they understand that they need, they need to understand their data in order to know what levers to pull and what's working and what's not working. So five years ago, we started our data agency and we've been doing it ever since. And now we've worked with over 150 different brands. So now we're able to help even smaller companies that might not know what questions to ask or what might not know what's possible with data. And they can learn from the mistakes and experiences of our other clients. Um, and we can help them along that journey to scaling. That's interesting. And what what is even interesting uh, is you come from the agency uh, part. So you had an uh, online marketing agency. Why did you leave that area? 
that was because we saw the need. There was a pain that our clients had and that we had around data. So we had one of our smartest team members who was just doing manual reports in spreadsheets for, you know, 20 some clients on a weekly basis. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of wasted time where he needed to be spending time doing other things that were way way more valuable to the company. So, but then we also saw the need that, look, there was, there was a lot of enterprise uh, solutions out there. Bigger companies had it for data, but not the smaller, smaller uh, shops. So we said, well, how can we take what we've learned um, in our market being data driven? And how can we take that to the small and medium sized businesses? So we saw the opportunity, we saw that there was a pain in the market and we acted on it pretty quickly. And really, you know, there's, there's a lot of great marketers out there. And so we were, we were great at what we did, but what we found was there weren't a lot of great data people available to the small to mid-sized yeah. businesses. And, and if, they, so, if they were available, they were very expensive and exactly. people didn't know even how to hire them or where to get them started. Yeah. Minimum of a hundred thousand dollar contracts, yeah. upwards of a million and, and really our passion and where we really enjoy working is with founders and CEOs and CMOs that are looking to scale, but don't really know what they don't know. And, and so we just found that we could be world-class data agency um, and anybody else could do the marketing, but really, especially in the last five years, it just, there's been too many tools that are released on the market for, you know, data and dashboards, but then nobody knows how to use them in that SMB space. So we really just wanted to, to help our fellow entrepreneurs. Give give me some examples. What can data tell me as an e-commerce store owner? Which data is is interesting for me as an owner? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, you know, with most of our clients, what happens is they have they have an overarching goal, right? Maybe they want to scale the company to from five million to fifty million. Maybe they want to, you know, run an organization that is world class or has great branding. And and normally they've got that goal, and then they have specific questions that they're trying to answer. Um, one of the big questions that we solve um, that's very relevant today is how is COVID impacting my business? Where should I specifically, you know, spend more money and cut areas of spend? to really optimize my store for the current environment. And so one thing that we do is we take all of the companies like transaction level data, who bought, how much did they buy, where did they buy from? And we look at that from an aggregate view and we layer in not just internal client data, but also external data, things like COVID numbers, right? Uh, Which counties have stay-at-home orders versus which ones are completely open to the public, you know, which countries? And then looking at that in comparison to your return on ad spend, because if there are certain areas of the world or the country that are doing better and they're returning to normal life and you have an increased return on ad spend of 10X in certain areas, and then the others that are locked down, it's only 2X, it makes more sense and you can scale much faster by investing the same amount of dollars in these specific areas and hyper-target those areas, right? So that's one example. Another example is, you know, nowadays everybody's trying to compete with Amazon. And so they might have a Shopify store or WooCommerce or Magento store and they're thinking, well, duh, we have to offer free shipping coupon codes, right? In order to compete, we have to do that. And so one thing that we'll do is we'll take those cohorts of clients and we'll just say, okay, so out of all of the clients that use that coupon code, did they end up coming back? Or did you end up 
you know, investing this free shipping into a client that never returned. And then you're losing on the front end, expecting those people to become raving fans and come back later on and, and return that customer acquisition cost. And then that doesn't happen. So we've had, you know, tons of clients go through, uh, you know, kind of the data on the coupon codes. And we've realized that a lot of them actually were creating net negative results rather than offering something like, hey, uh, family and friends discount for 15% or, right? And those become, you know, raving fans, those customers that are like, oh, I'm part of the friends and family group, yep. right? So the data can be used in all aspects of business. Well, what other a part examples? Of, a part of that, like just going on that same same journey, it's also understanding your cost of goods sold or cost on, of delivery, right? What does yep. it actually take us to get that product out the door? So if you're losing money on just the upfront part, are you also pricing everything so that you you can actually make make money at the end? And I think a lot of people focus on the needle moving acquisition and marketing, the sexy stuff, but they don't really understand the financial numbers. And that's another thing that we can help with. Mm-hmm. Especially the discussion uh, about the shipping costs and newsletter signups uh, for coupons and all this kind of stuff. I had this, I think, uh, three or four weeks ago in another interview, and it was the same uh, way that that we've talked so it turns out that it does not really work well you don't buy the right customer with that mechanism you Mm -hmm. just want to have you get someone that opts in one time and it's never seen again so this is really an interesting scenario because i know it from uh the agency world as well that um a lot of agencies, even my team in the online marketing agency is recommending to offer uh, free shipping or shipping coupons or newsletter sign-up bonuses. And it changes my thinking about that. Um, because you know now with numbers that um, it might not be the best idea for that specific store. It's not a general rule for everyone. It might be a rule for specific store owners but not for everyone. So it's very interesting to see that. And, um, and, and, and outside, you really you should look at those numbers uh, if the customers are returning or not, if you offer that, um, if you're in store or not. Yeah. And, and it doesn't mean, right, it doesn't mean it may not work for some people, but it's worth testing. But know your numbers if you're going to test it and then c- cut that immediately if, it's not, if the numbers don't make sense. And I think it's a really good point to make is that something that works for one company does not work for all. Yeah. And so one thing that we've seen is you could have the exact same technology stack, meaning, you know, you're using Shopify or Clavio or whatever technologies you're using. But every company that we work with suffers from terminal uniqueness, right? The way that you have your offers, the way that you are branded, the, the target demographic that your, that your avatar is like every single company is not the same. Yep. And so for, for people to go and read these blogs or listen to podcasts and say, oh, that works for them. It's definitely going to work for me. It's not the, always the case. You need to, going back to AJ's point, you have to test things, but then you also have to look at the data and it's like a science experiment, right? You can have a hypothesis, you can go and test it. And if it's not true for your company, that's totally fine because you eliminated that option and you're getting closer and closer to the things that will have a huge positive impact and will work for you in attracting your target avatar. So it's really important to, to collect data on all of these, you know, kind of split tests or these new different methods and then reverse engineer it and say, okay, so what aspects worked? 
what didn't work. And then you're continually optimizing to find out what's your special sauce. But you do that by looking at your numbers. And most founders that we talk to and most CMOs, like they didn't get in this business to be in numbers. Like most, (laughs) most of them are more creatives and they're more passionate and they're more driven around like purpose and intention and really that creative side. And so when we talk about numbers, they just glaze over and they're like, no, thank you. (laughs) But that's why it's so important to, to just outsource that or hire somebody that loves the numbers because really every effort that you put into place, if it's not measured for success, then you're really just wasting a lot of time and money. Um, you know, trying things out and not knowing what's working. Yeah. And uh, very interesting question now, um, based on your experience, because 150 brands increasing and uh, before digital marketing agency and all this kind of stuff, what separates the winners apart from the rest? I have an answer. I'll dive in while you think of it. Go ahead. I, I honestly, I think that it's um, humbleness of the executive team of the C-suite team to understand that you don't, you know, as you're growing and scaling, you're asking certain questions and the questions that you ask today are not going to be the same questions that you should be asking in six months. As your business grows and develops and evolves, so will the depth of the questions that you should be asking, right? Once you know an answer to something, there should be a a follow-up question, right? Once you know what happened, like how many sales did we have over, you know, Black Friday or Cyber Monday? Then the next question you should be asking is, why did this happen? You know, and having humbleness in understanding that the business is outside of you and that there are, you know, there are factors that impact the business outside of your decisions, right? There's external factors. And so understanding that you, you start by asking what happened, then why it happened, then how can we make this happen so that you can have like predictable results? And I think that, you know, all of the founders of the C-suite that really go at their business and, and with curiosity, those are the ones that always end up winning. The ones that say, you know, I'm not going to rely on the knowledge or the information that I currently have. Like it's constantly evolving and changing. Our world is evolving rapidly and it's, and you can't rely on, you know, old beliefs, old logic and old nuances that you hold true. You have to be constantly learning and evolving. And I think that's the difference is there's some, some companies that say, Oh, I've done this before. I've got nothing new to learn, but you always should be curious with your business and asking what's happening, why it's happening and how can we make it happen? Yep. I think that's right. And there's a lot of external factors right now. Politics, (laughs) the world status, COVID, all that to to also take into the equation. I just wanted to add to that. um, It's really about taking action from data is the new competitive advantage. That's what we tell of our clients that if you aren't investing in and getting getting data involved in your business, then you're going to get blown out of the water by those who are, unfortunately. And more and more people are coming into online business and e-commerce, which is wonderful for the whole industry, but it's going to be convoluted. And those who adopt these principles and start investing in data, just like the day they invest in a marketing budget, is going to be the huge difference. Mm-hmm. And I think um, I just wanted to ask, uh, what should the biggest focus for an e-commerce business leader be? And I think uh, you answered that question with the answer before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I think that also it's, you know, understanding what what are the key movers in your business? What's the most important things that will have the most impact in your business? And, and, and we call those kind of like 
not, they're not vanity metrics. They're like the North star metrics, the things that will really move the needle that are really valuable to your organization and understanding what those are. When it comes to e-commerce, there's a couple core ones, right? Obviously like revenue, Obviously, it makes sense like it's a driving factor. Uh, profitability, right? You have to understand your profitability. You have and to understand. true profit all the way through. Right? Yep. Not just the upfront ROAS or the, the upfront front of funnel, top of funnel, but all of it all the way back to the, even cal- calculating people who are doing the marketing work, right? Mm-hmm. Their salaries, their costs, all of it for profit. Yeah. And then looking at your COGS, AJ t- touched on that earlier, like the costs around not only the product, but, you know, delivering that product, shipping costs, tariffs you know a lot of client, a lot of companies nowadays are are international and they they have you know this omnipresence across multiple platforms and each of those comes with different levels of fees and you can we've had a lot of clients really optimize their profitability by focusing on where those costs are and how they're stacking um, and then I'd say one of the last ones that is a huge one is the ratio between lifetime value of your customers and the customer acquisition cost. It's in, imperative that you understand what your clients pay you at what intervals and how long it takes you to recoup your customer acquisition costs and how much you really have as an allowable cost per acquisition. Yeah. That's, I'd say, some of the biggest key principles that people should be focusing on. Those, those are, and what I want to do is back up a few steps too, because those are awesome, but then none of that really matters if the tracking is off. So yeah. we have to make sure that, yeah, not only your store, sorry, this flight bothered me. Um, not only the <laughs> store is, is tracking the right data, but is Google Analytics set up? Are people using UTMs? Are the affiliate tracking set up? Like going in and doing an audit before, you know, saying, oh, you need to go measure these metrics. Like, are you tracking the right data? Do you actually have the data so that we can, you know, someone on your team or a company like ours can transform that into actual insights. So tracking and then those metrics, I think that's kind of the, 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 the horse before the, the car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if I am a store owner, how can I 10X my growth? Well, data. kind of what we've been talking about is first, it's, there's this evolution we call the data and maturity spectrum and everybody's yeah. at different places, you know? Um, so it starts with tracking. It's making sure that, that all your different technology systems are collecting that data first. This is what we call data collection is that kind of first step. And then we need to look at most people after that get into spreadsheet health, right? Their, their, their spreadsheet health is not a bad thing. It's just at least they're, they're have, they have the data somewhere, but it's automating that information. Well, uh, well, so going back, so, so phase one, like if you're, if you're a startup, if mm-hmm. you don't know anything about data, the number one thing, like AJ said, is tracking. And that will help you 10 extra business because when you're tracking things properly within individual systems, normally there's some sort of reporting tool within each platform. Like Google Analytics has reports, Facebook ads has reports, Shopify has reports, and you can rely on those until a per- certain point. And if you focus on understanding what those dashboards are telling you, then you can 10 extra business business from a hundred thousand to a million. Then once you get to the point where you've got all of these independent systems tracking, that's great, but now they're all siloed. Now they don't tell a full cohesive story of your customer's journey because you've got shipping data totally separate from inventory data from et cetera. Um, and then you get into, you know, manual aggregation where if you, if you aren't, if, if you need more insights into your data and you don't want to invest in a big platform to do that, you can just have somebody on your team like we did with the marketing agency, mm-hmm. log into each of these systems 
and extract the important pieces and then put it together in an Excel spreadsheet that tells a story. So the next layer is telling a story with your data and doing it manually because going through that process will allow you to understand what are the important levers? What are the important key performance indicators that you should be tracking? And that in and of itself, there's a saying by Dan Riley, right? That says, um, it, you can't measure what, or you can't, what is it? No, you can't manage what you don't measure. You can't manage what you don't uh, measure. Peter Drucker. Okay. Yeah. So basically, you know, if you're not looking at these things, obviously you can't improve them, right? And so you need to start with this manual tracking. And that we see clients go from 1 million to 10 million, just with mm-hmm. manual spreadsheets and, and looking at these specific le- levels uh, or levers. Then let's say you're 10 million and you want to 10X your business. The next thing is automation because automation is to your time what compound interest is to your money, meaning it's exponentially valuable and it can save you a ton. And like, you know, when you start growing, people are your most expensive resource. And so if you can minimize human effort, human error and automate things, you can grow exponentially and you can even layer in things like machine learning and AI. So there's, you know, kind of four separate levels of, you know, this maturity spectrum. And at each stage, you there's specific actions you can take in order to 10x your business. Awesome. So for the last step, you need Think Spider. <laughs> yeah. Um, the top five of the metrics data, so the desert island, desired island, um, what should I track the top five? Yep. So we mentioned a few of them, but it's going to be yep. revenue, revenue, lifetime value, customer acquisition cost, COGS, um, COGS and then profit. profitability. Profitability. Those are the five out of all the customers we worked with. These are the basics and they may seem easy. They may seem simple, <laughs> but this is this is it. This is like bare bones, you got to have these. Well, and and I think the big uh, differentiation here is a lot of people, like let's use lifetime value, for example. A lot of people can log into Shopify and it says lifetime value of right. $87. Like, okay, well, what that's doing is it's creating an average. And averages are inherently evil because they're taking your awesome best customers, your raving fans that might be worth $300 and it's mashing them up with the people who just got a trial sample for a dollar. Right. Yeah. And so this average is definitely not the number that you should be using to guide business decisions because it's not detailed enough. And so when we talk about any of these metrics, it's not just, hey, I know this $87 average lifetime value. It's, okay, what is the value of the customers that come back and purchase from you more than four times? What about the ones who came from specific coupon codes like we talked about earlier? Right. So a cohort is basically a customer segment, it's a group of people. And if you can track LTV by different cohorts, source where they came from, product, what product they purchased first, because let's say that you've got like a $300 product and a $5 product. You think that the lifetime value of a customer who comes in and spends $300 on day one is going to be different than those who come and buy $5 on their first order? Of course. And you should be tracking those separately because they're different groups with different, you know, uh, timelines to repurchase, different, um, you know, really an evolution of this customer journey. It's totally different. So you need to not only know these five desert metrics, desert island metrics, you also need to know them in depth 
intimately. You need to know all of the levers that impact it because that's where you can really make a big difference is if you start treating these customer segments separately and understanding the, the value of each of them, because then you can tailor your marketing efforts, your retargeting efforts, all of your, all of your, you know, copy to really their specific journey and optimizing their path. Wow. Wow. It's uh, it really, uh, I think this is really good, good value for uh, our audience here. Um, and it shows different approaches. So I was the guy who thought the average is the average. Mm -hmm. So you have customers that purchase for three, four, 500 bucks and you have smaller ones and the average lifetime value is just a simple calculation, but it is not. So um, it's really interesting to hear that. And uh, um, what do you think does um, this automation, um, is it important? Is it not important for, for those data things? So you covered that uh, a bit earlier. Um, how, what, what role does it play in e-commerce? It's, it's the key to scaling. It yeah. really is because, you know, at, at a certain point in the business, it's changing so rapidly and there's so many different inputs that it becomes very inefficient to do these things manually, to do these mm -hmm. calculations manually. In fact, we had a client that uh, they're already doing about 70 million and they're looking for investors, right? And they, they want to take this to the next level And they've been relying on manual reports this entire time. So every time an executive or a leader had a question, they would have to go send some EA or executive assistant down into the depths of the data and go figure it out, wait a week and a half, get that data back. By then it's outdated, right? And then next time they have that question again, they have to go do it again. And we've had clients that they literally wanted to get invested in. And because they weren't able to give these numbers in real time and show, well, how has this changed over time? You know, what have you, what actions have you taken understanding these things? It's really cost them investment, right? Yeah. And so automation is so important because especially nowadays, if you're not automating your systems and you're making delayed decisions, let's say it's just by two weeks. Sometimes it's worse. Sometimes it's every quarter you're doing reports, right? And if you're making delayed decisions, that those three months, those two weeks could make it or break it in terms of capturing new audiences, capturing new clients. I mean, today's uh, customers have a very short attention span, right? And you have to capture it. You have to be the ones at the front of their mind in order to capture their dollars. And Frankly, if you if you're waiting on reports and you're making decisions two weeks late, it's it's going to cost you. It's going to be the difference between being first place and last place, because yeah. everybody else is doing this. Yeah. Everybody else has automation. Why not you? And and and, and part of the automation is also notification. So um, uh, as a business owner, you might be stressed. You might not have time to always watch the report, but you can uh, at least set up some kind of alerts. Uh, at specific kind of uh, action points you need to take. So um, um, especially when you run marketing campaigns or what else and, and something goes in the wrong direction, yeah. you need to put your eyes on that um, and get an alert. And this yeah, is also managing. something that you can automate. Yeah, managing by exception. Yeah. 
We also had a client once who uh, they, they, they had all of these distribution centers and every person that worked in these distribution centers had this checklist that they had to walk through every single day. And this checklist had to be gone. Like they, they'd fill it out and then they put it on their supervisor's desk every day. And then at the end of the day, the supervisor had to go through 150 different forms just to see if everything was working, just to see if there was any red flags oh, and wow. then see, He'd go through all 150 of these and then he'd find maybe five that had issues and then he'd go and tackle that. So the benefit of automation is screw those 145 things that you don't have to monitor. If it's going well, then you don't like you shouldn't have to go in and create more work for yourself. You should only be focused on those five things that create action or that need to be addressed. And that's what automation does as well is it, it, it filters through and it eliminates a lot of noise so that you can focus on the things that you need to focus on rather than just having to go through everything and figure out if it's good or bad, you know? So alerts and, and, yep. and that proactivity that allows you to manage by exception is key. Yep. Yeah, totally agree. So a lot of time for that interview. It was so interesting. <laughs> um, last question for the day. Um, and I love this question. Um, who has taught you the most in e-commerce in your career? Who has taught me? Well, I'll go, I'll go yeah. first. Um, I would say my uh, old business partner and friend, Josh Bazzoni. Um, when I was in CPG and we had our own product, our own supplement product, um, this was early on where I had only sold services or been in uh, digital products. The first time being in supplements and in the physical product game, I learned a ton. And I was decently data-driven at that time. But then when I looked at tracking subject lines, revenue per email and all the different variations and just a simple spreadsheet and being able to repeat and see which things could be moved around and tried to get the most out of our list. That was like light bulb, like, all right, there's definitely something to do this and I'm going to dig in even, even more. So I'd say my buddy, Josh Bazzoni. Yep. Um, and I'd say for, for me, it really comes from our clients. I'd say there's, there's two clients that really stick out where their adoption of the data was really great. Um, number one is our friend, Jeremy Reeves. He worked for a company called Danette May, and now he's, now he started Peak Biome, another e-commerce brand. Um, but what was great about him is he understood the questions that he needed to ask. And anytime he'd have a question, he'd say, all right, Let's let's figure this out instead of just, oh, I wonder about this. And then moving on, it would be, let's dig into this. Let's figure this out. And so we would go, he'd ask a question. We'd create the, the dashboard or the reports and then say, oh, now I have this new question. And it would continue to build in terms of intensity and in terms of value as well. Um, and so that was awesome to just see the evolution of the questions that he would ask. And then another um, great a company that we worked with was Black Rifle Coffee Company. And the reason I learned from them is because, you know, a lot like AJ alluded to this earlier, he said most of most e-commerce companies, when they think about, you know, the levers that they can pull and, and, and the value of data, they think about it from a sales and marketing perspective, because those are the sexy things, right? Um, with Black Rifle, they really, really, really value data. 
in every aspect of the company. And so it wasn't, they, they valued it so much that we ran all of the, our efforts in parallel because they were like every minute that we don't have this valuable insights, it's costing us millions of dollars because we're not learning. And so we were able to integrate data practices into every single department within their company. And they were using this on a daily basis for all of their daily standups. And it was truly integrated into the foundation of the business because because, and AJ says this a lot, is every business is a data business. You just don't know it yet. <laughs> and so it's been, it's been so really true. cool to see our own clients really adopt that and then the, the value that they get out of it and their ability to scale. Yeah, I, I need to agree. So even for us at ThinkSpider, um, it's a SaaS application um, and, and uh, especially for SaaS applications, um, data is very, very important. So the trial to conversion rate um, and and how many visitors you need to get X trials and from the trials, how many do you convert into paying customers and so on. And yeah, a lot of data coming in and uh, thank you so much. I really, uh, I learned a lot today. So um, I, I love your um, five points to track. Um, the thing with um, the uh, coupon codes is really, uh, again, very, very interesting. And um, tracking data. So um, if, if a store owner is out there not yet tracking data and not yet tracking the right data, um, start doing it. Right. Start yes. tracking. It's so important. Um, and uh, yeah, check yeah, out. Yeah, even if you can't do anything with the data right now, if it's tracking later on, you can hire an, an analyst to go through it. But if you don't have the data, they can't analyze anything. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, tracking exactly. is so important. <laughs> so check out praxismetrics.com, right? That's, yeah. Yep. That's, yep. yeah, perfect. Um, Megan, AJ, thank you so much for your time. Stay safe and great luck with your company. Thank, thank you very you. much. Norbert. Thanks for having us. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that's it for this episode of the Ecom Ops Podcast. If you enjoyed listening and would like us to find and interview more e-commerce operations experts, please search for Ecom Ops Podcast in your favorite podcast listening app and then subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time.